0: Hello, my name is Tucker Johnson, and you are experiencing NIMSI live where we talk about the latest and greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, culturalization, and all that fun stuff global companies need to delight their international customers or at least not to piss them off too much. On this program, we like to invite guests who like to have fun and also have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. I'm always eager to provide a platform to those with a good story or a good data set to share with us. So let us know if there are any topics you'd like covered or guests we should reach out to for future episodes. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to Nimzy Insights. We, um, we're coming to you live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, all of these different things today. But if you follow us, if you go to that LinkedIn page and follow us, then um, you'll be the first to know when we have future live streams that come out or new things, new things get published. We're Publishing stuff all of the time over there. And also, lastly, just a quick plug um, if you're on a YouTube, if you're following us on YouTube, then head on over to Multilingual TV, search for Multilingual Media, and over there you're going to find a bunch of really great resources for language services professional people in our industry you're not going to be sorry you checked it out we have sister programs last week in localization with Sarah Hickey the Venn diagram with Michael Reed T-E-P with Juanma Lopez high-performance leaders with Andrew Smart open world with the Terra translations team uh, Malavlados uh, with Javi webinars a whole bunch of webinars in the season series of webinars and the C-suite hot seat with our friends here at NMZ so if any of these programs sound interesting, interesting go on over to multilingual tv search for multilingual media make sure to subscribe over there uh, we've got some upcoming events. I like to, on this podcast these days, take a look at uh, events that are coming up in our industry. We we are a an industry that loves our events and loves people in these events. And I saw on the calendar today, Global Sockey. mark your calendars, is coming up, I think, tomorrow, guys. And the DigimarCon, of course, is tomorrow as well. If you're here, this is nimsy.com forward slash events. This is a really cool resource. You can go over here and add an event if there's an event that you're sponsoring um, and you can also download icals you can sync it to your google all sorts of stuff right there so make sure to go over there and check that out um, let's see here we have our guest here today but I, you know I, I don't want to get into our guest. yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him. I'm gonna keep you waiting a little bit here because um, I want to I do this right we're talking about interpreting technology today interpreting technology today and you might be asking why isn't sarah here where's my sarah hickey because sarah hickey is our lead researcher on the on the interpreting front and unfortunately she's out sick this week and this was a really a last minute thing i think we threw this together in like 48 hours basically. So, thank you to everybody that helped promote this. A little bit about this platform we're doing this as a live stream via LinkedIn events because our friends are already here on LinkedIn. So, it makes it really easy to share, to invite new people, um, and to show appreciation during the stream. So, there's a couple of ways that you can do that. You can add comments. I see that we already have a very active chat going on over there. Um, and you can also use those reaction buttons. Those reaction buttons are great. You can just spam them if someone says something that you like, um, make sure to like it so let's get right into it shall we in the interpreting market there are two main artificial intelligence trends to highlight machine interpreting and computer assisted interpreting or cai tools while machine interpreting and computer-assisted interpreting may not be as mature as their cousins, machine translation and computer-assisted translation, or CAT, the s- recent sky there, um, those guys there's a has been a recent skyrocketing demand for Can you tell I'm reading off a teleprompter? I'm sorry. There has been a recent skyrocketing demand for remote interpreting services, and this has fueled investment in this place. Joining us today is the gang from Kudo. Kudo is a multilingual let's bring it up here. Kudo is a multilingual web conferencing platform. Uh, it's the blah, 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 with human powered simultaneous interpreting stream real-time interpretation to your live conferences just recently they received a 21 million dollars in oversubscribed series a funding and what i have up here on screen that you can see here is a recent article describing their recent funding head on over to multilingual.com and check out our daily news over there for that so I want to be clear, though, this is a not a sponsored post. This is not an advertisement for Kudo. I want to be clear about that. That having been said, we do use Kudo at Multilingual and at Nimzi. We use it at Multilingual most recently for our season series panels. So every season we put together a lineup of expert panelists to talk about matters in the localization industry. We use Kudo for that. And it's really cool because we can make sure that people have access to that information, access to the, the stories that we're sharing, no matter what their language or accessibility needs are. So, getting right into it, let's meet our colleagues today. Evandro. Evandro, before I go to Evandro here, I want to show a copy of Evandro's book. Evandro has a new book that's come out here. It's called The Language Game. It is available on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold, wherever they don't sell my book, which is to say... So, Evandro here is um, the co-founder and CLO, that's Chief Language Officer at KUDO, formerly Chief Interpreting Officer at the, in the UN system. He's a multilingual TEDx speaker and multiple author and um, a TED-Ed author as well. Uh, I first met Evandro at Localization World in... Um, japan in tokyo actually and you know, i was introduced by my our longtime friend renato beninato and i've always admired his professionalism and his intellect and i am honored to have him on the show with us today and i know many of you have fun stories of evandro so make sure to share those in the chat barry barry's up next barry slutter olson hey. hey barry you guys can talk too geez like i'm just okay
1: great so i want to <laughs> say that i should have called my mother to to just witness the the Kind introduction you made of me, so thank you very much for your generous.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you know, put that check in the mail, is all I'm saying here. Moving on to Barry here. Barry Slaughter Olson is a veteran conference interpreter and a technophile with over 25 years of experience interpreting, training interpreters, and organizing language services. He is a professor at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies at Monterey. We call it Miss or Meese. And I'm sure more than a few of you guys in the chat took classes from him. If you did, say hi in chat and show Professor Olson some love. He's currently the vice president of client success here at Kudo, a multilingual conferencing platform. And we already talked about that. And also super exciting. He's like Barry's the guy that you see on TV. Barry is the guy that if you, um, you know, go to CNN and Anderson Cooper's like interviewing an interpreter, then chances are that's Barry or Yvonne Right,
2: One of many. um, And but, yeah, that has happened.
0: (laughs) All right. Moving.
2: You You should know that
1: Barry has been my professor at school. So if I mess up on any level, it's his fault. It
0: didn't teach me. <laughs> Barry was your <laughs> professor too? All right, guys, guys. I'm trying to get through these intros here. Jeez Louise. All right. Oh, not not to remember not to forget, Barry is also a member of the multilingual magazine board. So thank you for your that service is right. So I actually have
2: something in this month's uh, magazine. So if you haven't checked it out,
0: do so. Oh, I I already have it right here. I was planning you you you, uh, you spoiled the lead here. I stole your thunder. You stole my thunder. I stole your thunder. Make sure to check it out. It's the blue, the blue issue of multilingual. Barry does the takeaways for us in this one. Okay. All right. We're getting to you. We're getting to you, Claudio. <laughs> the Best for last. Claudio does. Claudio is the head of innovation and artificial intelligence at Kudo. He's also a researcher and lecturer at Mainz University. He does specialized research into the area of natural language processing applied to human machine interpreting, such as computer assisted interpreting, speech recognition, and speech translation. He is the founder for the Center for Augmented Interpretation at Mainz University, and he lectures on language technology and conference interpreting at the Postgraduate Center of the University of Vienna. Additionally, he is the founder of Interpre Bank, a consultant for EU bodies for speech recognition and speech translation. He is a Python and Perl aficionado, and you can check out his academic page. I'll make sure to link to that in the bottom. I'm not going to read you the URL. Um, but yeah, any, uh, any other self-proclaimed Python of Perl aficionados, make sure to give a shout out here to Claudio. So, gentlemen, welcome. Welcome, but we have one more person, to, no, two more people to introduce. First of all, we have we have our operator over here who I added at the last minute. Oh, I haven't added her yet. Well, we're going to have an operator. We have Nika Aliverde on the line who's helping us out, moderating comments. And we have you. The most important guest today, of course, is the chat. Um, we have around, how many people do we have? Nika, how many people do we have?
1: 87. Uh, she's on
0: mute. 87. All right, we have... 87 thank you operator um we have around 87 people today so that's pretty awesome make your voices heard introduce yourself in chat um chat ask questions to the operator nika um we're going to try to keep our conversation to about 45 minutes to to an hour or so and then we're going to open it up for questions from chat so that was a mouthful gentlemen thank you for bearing with me through the intro here and hey thank you Thank you so much for doing this on short notice. Like this, this came out of just a little bit of a background. This came out of last week's episode. We recorded an episode last week and someone in the chat was asking about machine interpreting and I did not have a satisfying answer for them. So uh, over the weekend, I think I reached out to Barry and Avanzra and I said, Hey guys, you want to come do a podcast episode about this? And that was on Saturday and here it is on Wednesday, like four days later. And we're, we're talking to all of you guys. So, Um, thanks for diving right in with me and I'm just going to ask some questions, but interrupt, interrupt, interrupt each other, especially, but you can even interrupt me. It's okay. Um, and so I'll kick it off here. Um, there's different modalities and scenarios. Before we we get too deep into this, there's different modalities and types of scenarios for interpreting. And I know that we have a really educated audience today. A lot of people from TNI with backgrounds here. But I'd like to start off with can can we just have a quick intro for what are the different types of interpreting? Um, and I'd like to throw this over to you, Barry. And for those of you okay. who saw in the chats, um, I posted a video of Barry and this is why I'm picking on him because he's going to give us like a two minute breakdown of like why interpreting is so complicated. All right, go.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so just quickly, I think it's important to understand that you have consecutive and simultaneous consecutive, meaning that the interpreter doesn't say anything until the speaker has stopped. And it's usually in chunks. And uh, those who are trained doing consecutive interpreting are able to take notes and able to interpret longer chunks of uh, the original speech, up to you know five, eight, 10 minutes if necessary, even though those chunks tend to be much shorter. Then you have simultaneous interpreting where the interpreter is listening processing, and then speaking in the other language all at the same time, which is a very complex cognitive task to undertake. Now, in terms of types of interpretation, I think we need to understand that there are, in addition to consecutive and simultaneous, there are lots of different ways that that service gets delivered. And interpreting is provided in a lot of different venues and settings. So the use cases are actually very broad. Everything from healthcare, to law enforcement, to legal settings, to international organizations, to the private sector, to business meetings, to negotiations. Anytime anyone needs to speak with someone who does not speak the same language, you will have an interpreter who will need to be engaged in order for that to happen. And today, interpreters that are also going to be making use of technology tools which I think we're going to talk about.
0: Exactly. And and that's what we're we're going to be talking about. So thank you. Thank you very much. Barry, for, for setting that stage. And I want to turn it over. So in, in my mind, just for for those of you that are watching, I forget not everybody has done as much preparation for this as I have. You guys just should get to show up. at you. But um, in my mind, Barry, you're kind of speaking for, you're the VP of Success, Customer Success over at Kudos. So you're kind of speaking for everybody, but speaking for the clients and Evandro, you can kind of represent the interpreters, um, as can Barry as well. And Claudio, you you're really representing the technology side of it. And I don't know you. I've never met you before, Claudio, so I'm excited to talk to you. Um, Now that we've kind of defined interpreting a little bit, um, Barry's defined interpreting, that is to say, um, tell us a little bit about machine interpreting. Um, What is machine interpreting and what is computer-aided or computer-assisted interpreting? What's the difference between those two things?
3: Yes. Um, First of all, thank you for the invitation. It is a pleasure to meet you for the first time. Um, what is machi- machine interpreting and what is computer-assisted interpreting? Uh, com- let's start with computer-assisted interpreting. It's The idea is very simple. It is to use advancement in technology, especially in uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and so on, to support interpreter uh, uh, in different phases of, his, of, of their work, meaning in the preparation, but also in the moment of interpreting. Uh, and even in the post meeting. So, there are several things that can be done, and maybe we can talk, we will talk about this later. This is machi- uh, computer assisted interpreting. So, it's mm-hmm. a, a little bit like computer uh, assisted translation. So, the re- at the center, there is the interpreter and there is uh, technology that supports uh, the, 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 the interpreter. On the other side, we have machine interpreting. So,
0: computer assisted interpreting is a support tool. It's a support tool, tool, and it's akin to computer aided translation.
2: Absolutely, I'm going to interrupt. As you said, I could, um, and I'll be interested to hear if Claudia agrees with me on this. But I honestly think that um, remote interpreting and remote simultaneous interpreting are also forms of computer assisted interpreting, Hmm. because we could not deliver this service without that technology as well. Um, I. Don't know that necessarily within academe that you include that within the definition of CHI or uh, Computer Assisted Interpreting. But I honestly think that um, in today's world, the way we are working, because we've gone online, that Computer Assisted Interpreting is actually moving forward
3: a little faster.
2: Hmm. hmm. Um,
3: no, no, no doubts about this. Uh, it's a question of a definition. I, I normally uh, make a, defin- a distinction between uh, the technology that allows the delivery, which could be, for example, uh, uh, remote simultaneous interpreting, and technology that support the interpreters in the process of interpreting preparation and so on. But it's a, a mm-hmm. question of uh, uh, of definition I and. Mean, what is sure is that the two technologies uh, are moving, and they are, as Tucker said at the beginning, influencing some way, uh, one way or the other. So uh, the interest in remote simultaneous interpreting is fostered, also the interest in computer assisted interpreting. That's uh, no doubt, no doubts about this. Uh, and coming back to, to to the initial question, so this is. On the one side, so the support, the yeah, to support interpreter. Huh? Uh, on the other side, we have the machine interpreting that we can call, uh, or it's normally called, uh, speech to text, uh, or speech to speech. Huh? Speech to text, uh, if it's uh, if the input is always a speech or audio, a spoken language, and then the output is a uh, so to say a. Uh, Captioning or a form of uh, transcription in a different language that's called speech to text. Or well, then we have speech to speech where the output is also spoken, like in interpreting. And uh, this is a completely different uh, target or goal of this technology. Uh, On the back, uh, in the the, behind the scenes, the technology may appear in some cases quite similar. We we use machine learning and all this stuff, but the goal is very different. And the goal here is to uh, produce an automatic, full automatic interpretation of what has been said or a translation of what has been said into original. So the goals are very different and the technology in some cases are very similar.
0: So the, the – the, but, the, but the end goal is to cut humans out of the loop, right? Let's just, let's just be honest. Like if we're talking about the end goal of machine translation or machine interpreting, um, I'm not saying that's a, that's a reasonable goal. I'm not saying that's a feasible goal or is it? Um, the goal Anybody is, who wants to take that one. <laughs> yeah.
3: I, I start. Interrupt me. Uh, that's a difficult topic. Um, Any, goal, anyone who yes, wants
0: to, to get a bunch of <laughs> link, LinkedIn messages from interpreters after this. So take one for the team, Claudio.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the goal is to offer uh, a translation in, in real time, uh, normally, there's interpretation, uh, automatically. Yes. Um, The goal is to replace interpreters Uh, at the moment. This is not the goal. Probably uh, you have to make a comparison to machine translation. In some areas, you see translators uh, kicked out Let's say, for example, uh, 20, 30 years ago, there were translators working also uh, earning just by translating some uh, commercial uh, email or the, the time of written emails. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, probably nobody does it. And, but still, you have translators working in many areas. Uh, there is a lot of uh, a need for Professional translator. The same is uh, also the idea behind machine interpretation. So you have areas where now they are not accessible at all, for for because there is no money, there is no uh, need even for high quality in the uh, around, and you can have at some point maybe a machine that can easy or make possible some form of access to real time. Um, Uh, spoken language, which doesn't mean uh, that uh, it will uh, replace a human interpreter. This is quite a futuristic uh, approach. But uh, in my opinion, there is not a yes, no answer. It will replace yes, no. It's much more complicated. It is a new technology gaining at some point uh, traction in in this domain and will fulfill in many, many areas uh, for many, many years, sorry, to say a communication where there is no access to multilinguage communication nowadays because what is interpreted nowadays it's just a fraction of what can be made accessible and yeah. this is where high quality uh, sensitive contents and so on is uh, is needed and this is the domain of humans and will be the domain of humans for sure for many years in 20 30 years I have no idea
2: yeah yeah um... Uh, You know, I've said this before, and I I will stand by it again. I don't see myself being replaced by um, a machine as a conference interpreter in my lifetime, Um, in my professional career. I just don't see that happening. Um, And I want to, if I may, Claudio, take issue with the whole concept of machine interpreting, because I know that the industry is trying to figure out, okay, what do we call this machine interpreting because it's machine translation. But... I usually avoid saying machine interpreting simply because the machines don't interpret anything. AI is based on mathematics. And yes, there are probability algorithms and a lot of technology that's being used to be able to produce the uh, translations, particularly with you know the inclusion of predictive analytics and what we saw happen with neural machine translation beginning in like 2014. But when push comes to shove, there is no interpretation of meaning undertaken at this point, And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this with the systems that exist today. They do not interpret the meaning of what is being said, right? They are crunching data and pushing it out on the other end, not really having um, a sense of, was that the right thing? I know that, you know, there are all sorts of, Uh, tweaks that are being used to try and improve the probability and some of it's getting better but at the end of the day it's not interpreting um it's not there the the emotional content is not there that has to be interpreted by whoever reads whatever is produced by a speech-to-speech translation or a machine translation so um like a good interpreter a good linguist i'm you know mincing words and and really getting specific about this, but I do think that there is a a notable difference. Um, One other thing I would say is that with MT, no, you, you can't make it that simple and say, oh yeah, interpreters are gonna be replaced or translators are gonna be replaced. Translators have to evolve. Interpreters have to evolve with the technology and the tools of the trade. I was reflecting on this a little bit in preparation for this today and you know um, we can't think of our professions in a vacuum and we often do right because it's what we live it's what we love and it's what consumes our time and our, and our, our mental energy but if you look at say the job of a pilot the job of a mechanic the job of a doctor um, those are just three examples Think about how the technology has changed in all three of those and how the practitioners of those professions have had to adapt and adjust, right? I was thinking about mechanics. I used to change my own oil. I used to be able to change spark plugs. The technology has advanced advanced so much that I lift up the hood and I'm not even going to touch the motor of my auto because i don't have the tools i'm not up to date on it i generally understand it but i can't fix that anymore like i used to be able to do on my 78 dotson when i was in high school so same thing with pilots you know what was it like when they launched at kitty hawk it's like okay get the motor garden, and push it out oh let's see if this moves and you know and that was a big thing but today where we actually do have autopilot, the pilots have to be more trained and up-to-date than ever before. I think that we see in that um, a type or a uh, model to follow as we continue to work through how do we apply technologies to what we do? Because at the end of the day, I see them as tools and not as competition.
0: Evandro. Yeah, Evandra, I'd like you to chime in here.
1: Yeah, I want to say two things. First, uh, Barry, Claudio and I are working very, we're busy trying to make you obsolete, and we're getting there. So don't don't get too, too cocky on that. <laughs> uh, two things I want to say. Um, I look at this more as a productivity enhancement tool. That's what it is for now. Nobody is uh, pretending that this is going to replace an interpreter or a translator with a High quality that you can expect to, to get from a, a highly trained uh, human interpreter. But it does point in ways where I can use the machine to actually get things done faster and maybe uh, look at things a different way, get a confirmation or validation for some of the things that I'm using and so on. I'm sure interpreters, I'm sorry, translators are doing that to a great extent. But I also look at this as us trying to push the limits of what is possible and not possible when it comes to language, and the involvement of machines in that. Again, you never, you would never, we would never have gotten to the moon and beyond, if we hadn't tried and and dared to to dream. Right? It may not come across as a as a an, as a lofty dream to to some of you, but testing that technology, pushing the frontier, is going to bring us many dividends, many interesting things that we can use or decide not to use in this or that pocket of our, our, of what we do, of our action in the world. So I think more than anything, it's increasing our understanding of how much of language can be replicated, how much of language can be you know, boiled down to mathematics as, as Barry said. And what are the bits that you can never uh, replicate in such a manner? For example, take interpreting, for example, if I were to, to be sarcastic and tell Barry, oh yeah, Barry, I see that you hate blue. When in fact he's wearing a blue shirt, there's a visual element that goes with it that no machine translation, no no uh, machine, you know, C A I in the world would actually get because you you rely on something other than just uh, the words and the body language. There's a visual element now that goes into it that's going to uh, go go unnoticed. So there's there's a lot to to talk about and to to push aside, but there's a lot to dive right into and actually learn as we as we uh, move forward and uh, as we learn more about language and everything else. Third yeah. thing, I said, I said I want to say two things. I'm going to say a third hold thing. On. Yeah, hold on. Let the men talk. Already, <laughs> we can already re, uh, train a machine to interpret with a, with a reasonable degree of, of fidelity um, a demo that gets repetitive every week. So let's say if a, if a company has a demo that uses the same script every time and so on, and this is a 30-minute demo that you that you kind of that uh, you kind of present to the same set of people every week. You can even anticipate some of the questions, and then the the question becomes how unforgiving or forgiving is the setting in which we are presenting this. So, to a certain extent, these things are already possible. But there's so much nuance. There's there's so many levels when it comes to communication. This is something that you may want to try in a very limited domain. But it's never going to be good enough at least to, to the extent that we can see to be used in a you know, free-flowing speech that you see in multilateral organizations like the UN and uh, I,
3: I my, my position is a little bit different but more from um, theoretical or definition point of view say never it's uh, quite a complicated uh, fact uh, the question is what you pre what you want to have? What is the quality that you want to have a machine or a human uh, to deliver Uh, more than it is possible to see the color of the uh, T-shirt and integrate this uh, in an automatic way? Because this is already researched, there are already projects that are trying to combine visual with uh, uh, spoken language, so there, there is a lot going on and we are focusing on what is possible now and not what will be possible in five or 10 years. However, let's say, it is quite different um, if we uh, define what are the, um, the needs of the people that wants an interpretation. This is quite uh, the different because I'm pretty sure that the machine will be able to deliver something which is useful in some cases in a matter of some years. So it's already now, I, I, as you want to say, Uh, There are big projects going on, there are big players playing here. But the question is, what is the quality that people will will need? And for me, there is only one um, perspective for the future. We will see that, which is quite good for for interpreters, we will see that machine interpretation in some form, it translation, uh, speech-to-text, speech-to-speech translation, will enter. Uh, You will see uh, this used, but on the one side. On the other side, because of all the limitations, and there are so many limitations, let's point out a machine is using artificial intelligence, is per se stupid for what we understand uh, under intelligence. So there is nothing intelligent uh, in our human uh, perspective in it. However, it can perform some way good, but you will see it in areas where um, people do not care very much about quality, about trust and all this stuff for for the time being. This will mean also that interpreters, human interpreters, or at least the professional ones, will profit from this. Also from the the storytelling that will... circulate because people will understand much better all the things that normally now only interpreter can tell uh, how difficult it is, how complicated. There is much more than just the language, which is the surface. This is the culture. There is uh, context and so on. And people will start to uh, understand this because they will see a machine interpreting and see, OK, for this context is OK. But for this other context, I want the quality of a human. Uh, and this will, uh, the, the interpreters, in my opinion, uh, will profit from this because they will give uh, visibility to a profession that nowadays has less visibility than it should have. And this will be thanks machine interpreting.
1: And Claudio, uh, how many times have you tried a Chinese website that you have no clue what it contains? And then you try the translate button and it gives you the gist of it, right? Aren't we all grateful when when that happens, right? Uh, Absolutely. It it puts you on the map. You know more or less where the conversation is going and so on. Is that accurate translation? No, there's many mistakes there. But it it helps you at least find your bearings, at least to know enough as to what you should go and do, what what you should do next or where you should go uh, next and so on. And I think, again, if you extrapolate, there's a reason why Google Translate is being used by different companies to to do what i just described but also a reason why google would not rely on google translate to write their marketing copy in different languages hmm. they entrust that to an agency and they go after the humans because they know the limitations and uh, the and the in the use cases of what they brought to market so i think we need to keep that in mind
3: uh, uh, absolutely, I, I had this experience today, I l- gave an interview a couple of days ago and came back in Hungarian uh, to me for Czech, I cannot speak Hungarian so I uh, let it translate and um, translation was uh, fa- fairly good, Pro- not a translation that you can probably publish, but it was good enough to, to understand it, maybe there are some, were some points where I said, mm, uh, maybe I have to ask back if they it is what they meant, and, and so on. And I think this is the same for automatic spoken uh, translation. So you will have the possibility in some scenarios where you don't have now interpretation, uh, and you cannot have interpretation because we want to have as much as interpretation as you can, but you cannot interpret uh, everything that's going on uh, live, that you can have some sort of accessibility to this content, and this, well knowing of all the of, of, of all the limitation, and this, in my opinion, is quite a noble uh, goal. If it works in some way, that this le- minimum level, the gist that you said of accessibility, is granted. This is the reason why the European Parliament is uh, working on this to allow a little bit more access to people, for example, in the, in the context of the European Parliament of hard of hearing or deaf people, to have access to the, pl- pl- uh, the, the, the pl- plenary uh, meeting also for, for everybody. Well known that if you have access to the information through automatic means, no matter how good or how bad, you have not the quality of humans. You accept it or not dependent but in many cases it can make the difference and this is a quite the question of democratizing also information in my opinion but yeah. it's very important that all the community that we start to understand all the limitations also the potentials but also the limitation and we start to talk about this yeah. But so but I think you
1: will have to interrupt us at some point, right?
0: Oh, I, 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 I'm so, loving this. You you guys are just making my job so freaking easy here. I love it. I was so, just chatting with our operator over here. We're going to get some questions up from chat. So now's the time guys, put your questions yeah, down yeah. there, but Hey, back to you guys, back to the peanut I, gallery. I've, here.
2: Been, I've been watching the chat and I know mm-hmm. that some were saying, well, what's out there today. And so let's, I'm going to just kind of shift a little bit and say, Two of the things that I see that are really exciting when it comes to computer assisted interpretation and accessibility, one is the incredible improvement in uh, speech recognition across many different languages and data sets. And that is going to have very soon a, uh, an effect on meetings um, if you haven't seen that yet. Um, you're also going to see, um, you know, and this is something that, you know, Evandro and Claudia would be better to talk about. I've just been able to work with the software and beta test it and try it out, but being able to use AI to be able to prepare for assignments quicker, right? This has been out there. We've talked about it with, um, the, uh, um, you know the interpreter is, assist is like content
0: aggregators is there is there like some overlap no, it, here between not like content aggregators but you know like those those AIs that you know summarize data points yeah. and stuff
2: um, I'm going to let Claudio probably speak more to that because he actually designed all of these tools so oh my me speaking goodness. from a oh user's goodness. perspective what I would say is that I'm trying to figure out how to work this into my workflow as an interpreter right Um, to be able to leverage the AI to make me more productive um, and to be more prepared as I get ready for assignments. And we're working through that. As Claudia was saying, we got to talk about it. we got to figure out how it's going to work. The tools are there now. Now we have to figure out, okay, how does this add value and how does this help me in the work that I'm doing? Um, And... I guess I'd stop there because I'm not the expert that designed it. I'm just the one that gets to use it and see how to apply it in my work
3: yeah, maybe let me say something about it. If we understand that machine interpreting is futuristic is something that will be there, but it will not affect so much uh professional interpreters. On the other hand, we have these computer assisted interpreting tools that we we'll Uh, will influence by giving a specific web page of a client. Let's say you're going to interpret for Elon Musk uh, for the SpaceX. He will be in my seat in a couple of days. So you gave uh, the tool the SpaceX web page and it will create automatically a draft. Of a, of a glossary that the interpreter needs to, to review. Uh, the, the, the expert remains the, the, the human the interpreter. And then you can go online. With this, you, you can learn. You can, it mimics what happens normally that when you, uh, who, your colleague gives you, for example, uh, a, a ready-made glossary for uh, on, on the same topic. You get this done by, by the machine. Uh, you review it. And then you go online. And then you get this kind of uh, suggestions uh, in real time that you can use or not, uh, depends on uh, the situation. Um, And this can help. Uh, We have done several uh, experiments at the university, uh, with my university, with the University of Trent, where we test uh, the output of uh, the interpretation by people using such a tool, or su- such an idea, or people w- without using it, and we could see that, for example, students which have a lower level uh, of uh, of uh, experience improve the quality of the interpretation by a lot. And we've done an experiment with the European Commission, and the first results show that even there, for expert top-notch interpreters, in some areas, for example, for numbers, which are quite very uh, difficult. Uh, um, part in, in, in simultaneous interpreting, the quality improves. So you, you have on the one hand, um, a, a tool that gives you a little, makes for you some preparation, some preparation, because you have to study, you have to understand the topic to say, but gives you some preparation and then helps you if you need it uh, in uh, what, what you are interpreting. And this makes a little bit time saving on the one side, And quality improving on
0: the other side. This is quite interesting. Can I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Claudia. You are on a roll here, but LinkedIn kicked us out for like a second. So it cut our stream and we're live again. Like it just cut us out for like five seconds but it started a new screen stream i apologize guys if you got kicked out of that old one and you somehow found your way over here if you know other people that were watching on that other stream then just send them over here to to this one we're live again obviously and um that's okay that's what happens when you go live shit happens it's okay. Sorry, Claudia. <laughs> I, I, I totally just cut you off there. But we did want to get into some of the questions, and I think now would be as good of time as any, and we've got uh, Nika Eliverdi here who is going to help us with this. Let me just see if I can find my chat button. Chat, does that work? Bam, chat. All right, chat. Nika, you with us?
4: I'm here. Can you hear me?
0: I can't. Okay. All right,
4: we've got lots of people commenting, sharing where they're from, what they do. Um, I've got a question from Danielle Meader. Here's one. Who is the gatekeeper to when CAI is used versus real versus a real interpreter?
0: Ooh. Did you guys get that? I'll,
2: I'll, I'll dive in on that one and I'll I'll simply say that I don't think there are gatekeepers um, in the areas where Um, speech-to-speech translation is being used because it's at the consumer level. A consumer makes a decision. Oh, I've got this app. I have a problem. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to see if this will work. So that's where I've seen most of the implementation. There are some uh, product offerings out there on the market today that are offering speech-to-speech translation or simply just speech-to-text and then uh, subtitles in the target languages for videos or for listening or reading during a conference, Um, there the gatekeeper is going to be the conference organizer. If they say, yeah, we're going to give this a try, right? And so if you look at those two, two examples, it's going to fall upon the end user most of the time, if they're going to decide if they're going to use that or not, or the client, if you will, in the private sector. When you talk about government, totally different uh, ball of wax, because um, they are going to have to be protocols adhered to, and there are rules that are established, like in the courts and in healthcare, where it's not that simple. You can't just whip out an app and say, okay, let's try this and see if it works.
3: Uh, Mary, and if I can add, just not to to take out confusion, I mean, we are talking about a technology which is just at the very beginning. So we are not talking about a technology which can deliver anything far away from being comparable uh, with with human interpretation. So it's a technology that it's, so to say, not used without, so to say, in any professional as far as I know, context at the moment. So this is very important. We're talking about something that will come probably in the years to come, but no, it's not a question of now. Different to the, the, the systems, which is already there.
0: Anything to the add, Vandro?
1: Let me say this. Everything in interpreting is demand-driven. Hmm. Uh, take, for example, simultaneous interpretation. It came to be in in the wake of World War II, where it got really implemented as a profession. Of course, some of my colleagues are gonna say that, oh, experiments have been made before and so on. All that is true. But where the profession and the mode, the new mode of interpreting actually got established was in the Nuremberg trials, because there was a new use case. They needed to get through those trials faster and consecutive interpretation would not do. The interpreters back then, the celebrity interpreters, everybody even remotely connected to the world of interpreting, opposed to the new system. It cannot work. It will not work. It will render the interpreter crazy. The speed is too high and so on. But then reality, you know, imposes itself and there's a new use case. Fast forward 75 years, we now have remote interpretation, which has been out on the horizon as a nice to have thing for a number of years. And now it's a reality because all of a sudden we're dealing with a pandemic and we had to find uh, a better way. So I think at the end of the day, these things are going to continue to be demand driven. Supply will have the choice of adapting to it and and maybe, you know, fine tuning it to the extent needed. But at the end of the day, it is the man who actually, which actually paves the way and, and tells us where we need to go. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry if this sounds a bit callous, but this is... Uh, the reality of
2: things and if i can just uh, piggyback on that and then i know all right, more i'm going to let
0: one piggyback but then i'm going to keep it going okay
2: here. here we go um the way for us to see expanded demand for uh interpreting services in all of their different flavors is really all about making these services easily accessible right and easy to procure, right? You have to be able to get at the service, understand it and apply it to what your use case is. We can't say, oh no, we don't do that use case. Well, we can say it, but we're not going to help people solve their problem and they're going to look for another way to do it. So it's important for us to understand that, that um, as these new use cases come about, we can't think that they're going to be solved with previous solutions all the time.
0: That is a really good point. Um, I'm I'm glad I let you piggyback. How's it going? Oh, well, thank you. And Nika, Nika, what else we got over here? All right. In the live chat. Oh, I got to so, meet you. Go. You are me? Yes, ma'am. All right, we've, we've got, got another question.
4: question. This, this is from Amanda Was who's, who's a conference, conference interpreter. interpreter, and she's wondering how well, how will machines, um, makes me wonder, how well machines would do depending on the input of audio quality. Mm. So audio quality, and then maybe also talking about the speakers themselves. Do they have to be trained on anything before working with these new technologies as they're working with interpreters?
1: Can I, can I take a step at that? Sure. Okay. Well, uh, first off, thank you, Emily, for, for tuning in. Emily is a, an interpreter on whom we rely very often on Kudo and we love to work with her. And then by the way it's good to see so many friends here as well Mike LeMay, my good friend Giovanna Lester and many more Antia Borman, many, many colleagues who, who may kudo what it is. I'm and jealous of you panelists
0: who, who you guys get to, you have time to like actually read the chat. I'm like pressing buttons here and stuff. I'm like, what's going on? I, I need but Nika I've to help me. I have
1: a phone on the side so I can, I can follow. Yeah,
0: them. they came out en masse for you guys. I, All right, I mean,
1: go. Tell me if this is true for you. How many times have you been, you know, let's say you're following a a movie on Netflix and it's in English and you're trying to to get all the dialogue in and so on. I'm a a foreigner, so English is a a foreign language to me. Every now and again, I have to stop and say, what did they say? And I go back and I go back. Once I go back like three or four times, I say, well, I need some help here. And then I activate closed captioning. And I'm amazed that closed captioning understands some of the dialogue much better than I do. And this is a machine. So, Emily, I think you would be surprised that maybe the machine can accommodate some artifacts in audio better than we humans can. Because we bring a lot of bias to what people are expected to say, what people should be saying based on their gender, based on how they look, based on the language and the nationalities that they carry and so on. So our biases sometimes get get in the way of us getting everything right. And when I when I it's very humbling for me to be watching a, an interview in English and thinking I'm the hotshot interpreter who understands everything and then you know half of it is going over my head and then closed captioning automatic closed captioning it's not something that was pre-recorded or anything gets it right every time the numbers the names and everything and I'm and I'm thinking well don't tell anybody right <laughs> so I think uh, my, the machines have a, a leg up when it comes to understanding these kinds of artifacts. I'll let Barry talk about whether clients should wear a headset because he was giving me a hard time for not wearing a headset today. I have my yeah
2: nice here, but I have a good microphone anyway. So Barry, why don't you take that? Well, um, obviously the good audio. And I've, I've read a number of articles where they have been commenting on input for speech to text and audio quality without a doubt has a, if it's good audio quality, the output is going to be better for the speech to text, right? And so in that, you could say that the technology kind of mirrors our situation as well, because bad audio makes it difficult for us to do our job. Um, One of the areas where I think this tool speech to text is going to help interpreters fact I've begun to see this even in some of the the, the work that we're doing and um, speech to text and automatic captioning is going to be in my view a positive development for interpreters everyone's concerned right well, how am I going to track that as I'm also listening and it's hard um, but I think reality is as Evandra said will impose itself and we'll see how it works and how it is actually helpful for us with uh, aiding interpreters in getting numbers, names, and also being able to quickly glance at something that maybe we didn't hear and seeing it come up on the screen and being able to then incorporate that into a professional interpretation. And I am really happy to say that one of the things that this is going to do is it's going to make multilingual captioning um, on, multilingual meetings a reality. And at CUDA, one of the things that we're doing is we are taking that technology and we are enabling good captioning by taking the, um, the speech recognition component in a uh, dozen or so languages and being able to use that so that it actually takes the interpreter's interpretation and puts it into the other languages. Okay, so that um, what you're seeing is a successful use of a tool by a seasoned, trained professional and putting those two things together to come up with a better solution than what technology would be able to do alone or what a human would be able to do alone. Um, And uh, that is something that I'm super excited about um, that. we're going to see on the very near horizon.
0: Thank you, Barry. Anything to add, Claudio?
3: No, I, I, I agree. And that this is, uh, again, uh, important to understand how this technology in general can be a factor of democratization of communication. In our case, what Barry said, we have uh, automatic captioning. In many languages so we don't have the translation component the translation is done by the professional interpreter and we will caption this so we will have very nice captions that we allow that will allow probably one of the first time as far as i know uh, multi-language meetings to be accessible in many languages also for people that cannot hear this is quite amazing i think Uh,
2: i think it's fantastic frankly
0: Let's go back to, uh, let's go back to Nika here. Nika, what you got for us? Let's do one more from chat and then I want to ask some questions because it's my show. We never let you. <laughs> yeah. What we got Nika? All
4: right. So uh, it looks like people are interested to see what kind of tech is out there right now. What kind of different uh, solutions are available on the market right now?
0: Hmm. Well, I have a slide for that. Actually, I, I can actually I can actually answer one of these. Look at me! Wow, contributing to the conversation. If you had a, so if you're if you're asking what are the different types of technology out there for interpreting technology, kudo. As I said in the introduction, is just is just one of them. Uh, we have plenty of others on the market. And one thing that you can do here is go over to Nimsy.com. Here, let me go let me go to actual Nimsy.com so I can just show you guys how to get here um you like this shameless plug if we uh zoom out here sorry i am making you guys all dizzy but we go to interactive data and we have the vit feature explorer and the vit feature comparison tool and what these are are they're great they list different um virtual interpreting technologies. And here on the comparison tool, you can actually like compare them side by side to Lango, Wordly, Marty, Kudo here, um, like that. So to answer your question, I wasn't expecting to be answering any questions here, but to answer your question, if you're looking for like, where are the sources, like where can I just get a list of all the different technologies and with all of their different features, then I highly encourage you to check out NIMSI or talk to my colleagues. Barry?
1: Let me answer that by telling you what Kudo is doing, can I? Please. Okay. And Claudio can, can later uh, fill us in on the, on the technical bits. But we, early on, have realized that because we're now all doing this remotely, lead times, you know, to, to meetings have been cut short. Interpreters are being asked to accommodate minutes at last minute, not last minute, but they have less time to prepare than, than was the case before. So the, the possibility of having a, a tool that allows you to make sense of links, documents, and everything that comes to you last minute and put it all together in glossaries that she can use, and do so in a fraction of the time, is a huge leg up. So interpreter assist is the one thing, is one the first thing that our AI-driven uh, efforts have uh, brought to the fore, and Claudio is the, is the brains behind that. We just provided the use cases and we've been discussing these things together. And looking into the future, there's another reality here, which is the fact that I'm no longer sharing the booth with a colleague 90% of the time. So I don't have the, the privilege and the benefit of having someone making annotations on the side, confirming the names, confirming the numbers, the figures, correcting me when I got things wrong and so on. And there's a lot that a machine can do in that regard. So the next generation, if you will, of our AI uh, assist tools will be things that we can anticipate. So the, the the AI bot is gonna be listening to the speaker. We already have a beta version of that. And anticipating, well, first off, confirming the numbers, confirming the titles, checking against the, the materials that have been uploaded and getting the spelling of those names right, the titles right, and so on. But also making conversions of units of measurement, also suggesting terminology based on what I have been repeating up until that point, maybe suggesting some variety, suggesting things. So it's akin to having someone provide some good feedback uh, where I got it wrong and where I got it right. And and helping me, you know, bridge uh, that gap where I no longer have a colleague, a human colleague sitting by my side. So these are very exciting things that we're exploring further and uh, keeps us all very, very uh, animated in what the the future will bring and mind you it does not replace the interpreter it only mm-hmm. makes the interpreter more effective sure. right
2: And it's a very good use of ai yeah
0: and claudio I, have, w- or barry
2: yeah i think claudio did you want to throw in some tech stuff i had a couple of comments just to say a little uh uh Please. on a broader range of what's out there so Please. um there are so many technologies that are now beginning to affect language you know spoken language and written language as well um and we shouldn't think just in terms of oh technologies for interpreting or technologies for translation and think more in terms of technologies for human multilingual communication because the use cases are changing right I I used to be one of those adamant guys that's saying, no, interpreting is spoken, translation is written. And yeah, that's been true for a long time, but we're now seeing, well, speech to text. And some people prefer to read subtitles rather than listen or have a voiceover. And so what do you call that now? It's still a service and uh, people who work in the linguistic or in the language services space are adapting to be able to offer those services. I recently did some research on the um, ability to do produce captions and subtitles in multiple languages. The technologies that are out there today are amazing. I had to subtitle something last year, you know, and I didn't know about what was out there. It probably took me a day and a half to subtitle eight minutes of speech. With the tools that are out there today, I can do that probably in 30 minutes and do the proofreading and have it ready to go because of AI. And so these are the kinds of tools you want to look out for because they are going to have an effect on what's going to happen. How do people prefer to communicate? We often think, well, no, it's got to be live and everybody's going to be here and we'll speak and there'll be interpretation. But what if they just want to read? What if they want to... um, you know, see something after the fact um, there's there are so many variables and we have to see the way that the end clients are going to want things. There, Those use cases to go back to that, at, that's where we need to be looking to make sure that communication is going to be ensured. And, and that's and with this, I'll finish. That is where I've always tried to focus my attention. I love interpreting. I'm a conference interpreter. But at the end of the day, what makes me excited is helping people communicate and understand one another. And so conference interpreting is one of the ways to do that. But we're seeing more and more with new technologies. And we should look at how we can embrace those. Because at the end of the day, if we understand each other better, I think the world's going to be in a better place. So I'm done.
0: Oh, who wants to follow that motivational speech? <laughs> Jesus! All right, I, I ain't touching that one. We got we gotten any um, anything else from chat here? Nika, let's go back over to Nika. Got Hi.
4: Um, no more big questions here. Just lots of comments on people engaging with each other, um, sharing where they're coming from, and appreciating all of the things that are being said.
0: Oh, very cool. Thank you. We appreciate you as well, Chat. So say one thing? Please. Tucker, may I? Yeah. Uh,
1: one, one notion I would like to, to correct, if I may, mm-hmm. is that there's some of us thinking about these things and imposing those trials on humanity and those who are just on the receiving end of this. And nothing could be farther from the truth. What we have, everything we have, for example, on Kudo is the result of number one, having a few interpreters in in the inner inner ring, but also checking back with the interpreters at every step of the way, right? Interpreters are the ones signaling Hmm. what they are ready to accommodate, what they're not comfortable with and so on. So we have, I have to share what I guess, everybody who is in this space has to understand that this is a collective endeavor. This is not just a bunch of researchers thinking about hot, interesting stuff. and dumping them on people. No, this is the result of a conversation go, that's going on, like the one we're having now, where we have Viviana Correa, where we have Amelie, where we have so many other colleagues who have tried these things and they have a say. And very often we'll bring them to the table and okay, bounce ideas off of them so that we can move on and, and see what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. So it's it's wrong to think that, oh, they're, they're doing something to the market. Mm. Oh, here, here they come, and they're going to bring something and dump it on us. No, we're doing this together. We have to recognize everybody else that makes uh, not just Scooter what it is, but remote interpreting what it is, and the interpreters play a huge role in that regard. Right? Everybody that ever tried a machine and provided one piece of feedback is part of that chain of events, and we have to recognize them.
0: Excellent point. I um interpreting is interpreting's different. Anyway, yeah, I've been talk I've said this a lot recently, but um, I've been very blessed to like get to know more about interpreting recently. I've always been a loke guy. I've always been a translation guy. And you know, I've through NIMSY we've started doing the research and publishing the the interpreting index and all of that stuff. And so I've really gotten a foothold into interpreting and it's absolutely fascinating out there. And what really fascinates me is i would say the cultural difference between interpretation and translation and by and i mean like the the people the people that do it And I'm not trying to say translators aren't these things, but I find that interpreters are generally just like really kind, caring people, people that care about other people. And it's why they got into interpreting in in the first place. And there's, there's a high degree of empathy that's required, um, to be an interpreter. And I want to talk about empathy for a little bit because empathy is kind of the opposite of automation. Right, empathy and automation can be at odds, or or are they? I don't know because to me, machines are precise. But if if I understand correctly about interpreting, while the goal for translation might be to get be precise and get the correct translation, the goal for interpreting isn't so much the precise interpretation; it's the conveyance of understanding does the other person understand at all levels not just at the the spoken level um as well so I, I say all that to say this like what what's being done to take into account the the empathy problem the the lack of empathy um beyond like is, is there voice recognition like inflection ai maybe this is a claudio question are are there systems out there that can like recognize emotion and voice and do those T- talk about those a little bit and anyone not just claudio yeah uh
3: the ah the, uh-huh, yes Uh, They're not used for machine interpreting now, but they're used in many areas, more more in uh, research, if you think about psychology and so on, there are already uh, systems that can detect, uh, let's call it emotions uh, from the voice. Yes, they are there and they are used and they work, uh, I have to say, pretty well because emotions like anything which is a human um, can be uh, if we human can detect uh, such emotion, also the machine can detect such such emotion, make sense of these emotions, a completely different topic, it's completely different topic Um, when you mention empathy and all these uh, words. From from a researcher point of view, I have a problem because it's very difficult to define them. Even uh, if we s- live a lot along the, the interpretation, it's very different. Difficult to say what is empathy in interpretation. It's, a, it's very difficult concepts, which is very difficult to operationalize to understand. So it's very difficult for me to make a bridge uh, to, towards a machine. Machines are stupid. okay. But stupidity works in many cases. And, mm. uh, um, oh, my. That's,
2: that's a twerk quote if
0: ever I heard
3: one. <laughs>
0: right. Um, and, put that on uh, screen.
3: <laughs> um, but uh, it will not uh, work for, uh, for communication. When we talk about communication uh, at a very high level, that doesn't work. Uh, But we shouldn't underestimate underestimate what machine uh, can understand, can do. Again, also uh, everything is a question of definition. I'm working very much in the what is called natural language processing. Okay, the the, the processing of language through machines, and there is another branch, another area which is called natural language understanding. Meaning, more or less the same, but giving the machine the ability to understand. But then, even between computer linguists, uh, computer science, and so on, the problem is what we understand under understanding, and this opens a lot of questions, uh, philosophical questions that are very, very difficult to uh, to answer. So, to come back to your uh, to your question, I do think machine can do much more than what we. Uh, thing, um, they don't make sense out of it, in the sense that we human can make out, sense out of things, uh, but they are able to do this, and they do it for, for example, speech recognition. Uh, the way I speak reveals to you that I am a little bit uh, embarrassed, that my, maybe that I'm an introvert, that I am a foreigner, of course, uh, and. The machine can can learn this uh, the same way as us. But then for the machine, it's uh, the same if I am an introvert or if I'm an extrovert or if I'm uh, embarrassed or I don't know what to say because even your words, uh, the, the, the word that you choose, uh, the, 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 the way you speak, all the fluencies they're using reveals a lot about this and you, you need to look at uh, psychology, psych, uh, psycholinguistic to understand uh, how these things works, and they can be understood by a machine
1: let me say this uh, tucker when you bring up empathy mm-hmm. uh, what you what you're saying is that meaning is not all in the words right it depends on uh, someone's ability to read the room right this is true when mm-hmm. two people are talking this is true when 10 people are talking with or without interpretation your ability to sense the room and the and the temperature in the room And to say the right thing at the right time, because
0: I'm not really sure. Like I heard like if if a human can learn to do it, and I think it was you, Claudio, that said, if a human can learn to do it, then a machine can learn to do it. And I'm just, I'm
1: not sure I buy that. What the machine can learn to do is recognize patterns. AI Hmm. is all about pattern recognition. So if you have enough uh, raw data, and this is now becoming possible because of tools like Kudo and and others, where there's now a huge amount of speech and speech onto different languages and many different languages talking about the exact same concepts. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna get to big data in no time. So when you have been exposed to that enough, you can start to verify, okay, when when that intonation is brought to the fore with those languages and so on, if there's a way to validate that to, to then establish a pattern, you can start teaching a machine how, how to recognize that, you know, the cracking in the voice and that kind of intonation or anything else. And again, I'm, I'm speaking off, uh, off the cuff here. Uh, the examples may not be valid. But again, once you, you find a way to determine what the patterns are, you can actually teach a machine to do some of these things. But the machine is never going to have the ability to read the room and, and change the way in which it does it as fast as a human does.
2: At least I don't see it coming anytime soon. Thank you. Go. I was going to say, you said never. And you usually never say never when we're I'm talking about right AI and technology. Right, That's right. That's true, you did. You see, my
1: AI brain is well-trained.
3: Uh, <laughs> again, it's quite a difference to say a machine, it, I, I can learn from your face, from my experience of your expression, how you feel what your eyes can say, okay? We humans do it every day. A machine can do it to some extent. Just, as, just a pattern recognition, make sense out of it or make something at a higher level is a completely different stuff. Yeah. This yeah. is the difference.
2: Yeah, it, it, it has everything to do with um, after you receive that information, what do you do with it? That's the issue, right? That's the the difference that you have, because it can, it can measure intonation. Anything that can be reduced to numbers or mathematics or become measurable um, is susceptible to automation and um, application of AI. But what do you do with it once you get the output? And Hmm. that's where the big difference lies.
3: You know? Absolutely, and and we have not to forget that interpretation or oral communication is always embedded in a context, in real time, okay? So a little bit more what Barry and Iwanda were saying. So when we humans make out of sense, we don't, don't make out of sense just because of what we are hearing. We make out of sense of the words we're hearing. We're making out of sense about the way words are hearing. But we see the machine can also understand some, understand some of these facts but we make out of sense about the context, the context we have uh, in, we, in which we are uh, the same ten sentence or the same talk can have multiple meaning depending on what has happened the day before or in the next room or about what has happened in the world uh, the day before and all the sense that we human can make out of our world knowledge uh, is unaccessible at the moment for a machine. The machine works like a machine translation at a very superficial level, just the words, uh, and translated quite fairly good, I uh, have to say at this level, but if communication, and we know the communication, especially spoken communication is much more than this, we know all the limits that the machine has. Now and then, they will have for, for years because if you look at the conferences I organized uh, last week, a conference of the first was the first uh, conference workshop uh, of application of machine uh, of spoken language translation, which is not only interpretations subtitles and so on. And if you look at uh, uh, what we speak and what we see in the papers, we are still moving at a very superficial level of analysis. The machine we are not moving beyond the superficial level of the words, um, maybe some, a little bit of meaning what the machine can learn. Sorry if I move a lot of my hands, but I'm Italian I cannot help it. Um, 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 so not, the, there, is, there is a lot a lot of work to be done, if at all possible to include all the uh, other layers that makes communication. For for a machine to be understood, to be processed. So there is a lot of, it's a long way. What's that? Do you you mean layers? Layers. Sorry, 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 layers. Okay. You you see, a machine would have had probably some issues in correcting this. Uh, Probably, because uh, Iwandro was understanding the meaning, so he could correct me. If this correction could be done just by Mm -hmm. the context of the words, the so-called collocation, even a machine could have spotted my error in the pronunciation. But as soon as it goes beyond the word level, a machine cannot at the moment understand because it doesn't know what I'm talking about.
1: Interesting. Yeah, interesting because in that case, the two words exist so context was what told me that perhaps you were
3: talking about something else exactly and then there is a difference between the language context so the words come before and after. This machine is very, very good. If you type in your uh, in your cell phone, you get the, the next word, probable yeah, word. The correction, right? yeah. But this is a language context, so the word context. But as soon as it's the context, the meaning, what I am trying to say, and that you can infer this from all what we're talking about, the topic, you know, myself, then the machine is far away from this. Interesting.
0: And hey guys, we're coming up on we're coming up on the time, and I gave us ninety whole minutes for this one. So, TikTok. yeah, uh, Nika, we got anything over? Let's go over to our operator. We got anything from you before we we call it a day here?
4: Just let me unmute myself here. So we've got a question from Rodrigo Espinosa Carballada. Hey, Rodrigo. Um, one question could be: Do you believe LSPs are investing enough? On innovation and research.
0: Thank you, Rodrigo. Uh, no, I'm gonna let me, let me answer that question. No, sorry. Only uh,
2: those who partner with Kudo.
0: Only only those that exist. <laughs> yeah,
2: I would say no as well, Tucker. And I would say that.
0: I'm just I'm just gonna bring this up on this... screen here without comment. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> the The reason for this is um uh, traditionally uh language service companies um in my estimation and my experience have been reactionary mm-hmm. and they're moving from one project that comes to them and that model has made it very difficult to think about okay where are we going to be 5 10 15 years out where do we want to be um that, you know, the, the pandemic and this whole shift, I think, has really got people thinking differently. We are starting to see now for the f- first real time, I think, in our in the history of the language services space or the industry. You know, we've never seen this kind of M&A activity ever.
0: Is that before. true? Is that true? Yeah. Because I, I feel like I've heard those words. Oh, my gosh, it's never been like this before. I've, I feel like I've heard that. I feel like I've said that before many times. And, and I've How many? But, but
2: was it like last month or was it? No, it wasn't ago? like
0: last month. No, I, I mean, I agree with you, but it's like I'm cautiously skeptical of myself. OK, it, it seems I will like take It's it is blowing and- up right now. Like every day, there was because we're publishing it. Like we we hit we hit the presses over yeah. at Multilingual, and it was like there was one week when it was like every single day. It's like oh my gosh, another company's getting investment, or another company's getting bought or sold, or whatever it may well, be.
2: I think a lot of this is actually driven by what's happening with technology and with the understanding that the world's getting mm-hmm. smaller. We have uh, much better communication now um, in terms of the the technological. Backbone to be able to do it. And commerce is really cross border right now, even with what's going on with the pandemic, right? And so all of these things are contributing to it. And I really do believe and this is subject to you go back and check everything to see if uh, we have had this happen before. So I look forward to the NIMSI report that's going to say, "Oh Lord, is all the M and A really high?" Yeah,
0: it's uh, yeah. Well, here's the thing about M and A is like people don't like the people the people that are doing M and A don't like talking about M and A because they find pieces of paper that says they're not supposed to be talking about it. Well, yeah, so, of course, yeah.
2: But you you find out about it after the fact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And and if you look at those acquisitions that are are being made they are all very forward-looking
0: mm-hmm.
2: and there are some technology. that they're just they're trying they're trying to increase uh revenue right which is another thing that is often done when acquisitions happen but the reality is that at least the ones that i've been seeing largely have to do with acquisition of technology for the future
0: all right ms nika Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for being our operator today at the last,
1: you should have joined us on screen. Interpreting is by definition, not by definition, but for the most part, a female profession. 80% of the practitioners out there are women, and here we have four white men talking about it. So it would have been good to have uh, Nika join us. You, so, know, Tucker, you know, Evandro...
0: You know that that crossed my mind. I, I'm ashamed to say. I'm like, look at all these old white men up here. And I tried. I tried to get Sarah Hickey up here. I really did, um, yeah. so she could boss us around. But she's out sick, unfortunately. Yeah. But guys, we're, we're we're coming up on the hour here. Um, oh, any any last minutes from you, Nika?
4: I was refreshing the, the the feed and I see even more questions have been coming in uh, we'll, um, we'll
0: do what we can guys we I don't think we're gonna get those t- to those today um, but we'll do what we can to respond to those in the comments we can we can run another one um, because we have seven minutes here and I want to do a new segment that I'm trying here called tux takeaways all right tux takeaways no of course my cameras not even working on this new. This new segment of mine, how horrible is that? Anyways, Tucker's takeaway number one, the future of interpreting and technology are intertwined for now. It seems that it is the goal to remove humans from the equation. Oh man, this is what happens when I type and talk at the same time. But the role humans play will be shifting away from the conference room. All right. What? Oh, here we go. Tucker's takeaway number two. Oh, we're in this together, guys. Jeez, I'm sorry. Um, text takeaway number two, can I get my camera going? I want to see you. I want you to see
1: me. We see it. We see
0: it. Okay. Machine interpretation can increase accessibility for content that normally would not have been interpreted and text takeaway number three machines learn from patterns given a big enough data set. A lot is possible while technology won't replace interpreters in this lifetime. It is catching up facial recognition empathy. These are the hardest to emulate. So those are my three takeaways. I encourage you guys down in chat. Please um, leave leave your takeaways down in chat because it's a, it's a nice um, it's a nice record. You can always come back to this. You can always come back and watch these these videos later. But for now, um, the last thing I wanted to show you guys right here is over at Multilingual we have the Multilingual Mercantile, and if you made it this far. You stuck with us for ninety minutes through two streams because they were getting screwed up, then you get a twenty-five percent discount off your entire your entire purchase over at the multilingual mercantile, which is which is a pretty cool deal there. So, ladies, gentlemen and chat, we are out of time today. If you enjoyed the NIMSY Live experience, then join us next time. Um, you can do that by following NIMSY Insight so that you are sure to be notified that when we go live. I appreciate our guest, Evandro, Barry, and Claudio. I really appreciate you today. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your expertise with us.
1: Thank, Thank you, you,
2: Tucker. Tucker. Go, Go ahead. You. Sorry, I Evandro. The
1: opportunity very quickly to say that you guys are reinventing the whole podcast thing and the way that the things you do with video is absolutely amazing.
0: Well, I haven't watched the recording yeah. yet.
1: Yeah, I so, about, oh, I should do this video. I think I've talked and I said. Eh. I'm never going to be able to match that. but well, I need help. Well, you guys are doing an excellent job. I used to watch, used to watch Barry's, Barry's YouTube
0: channel and think, man, I wish I was cool with the green screen. <laughs> <Yes>. Now
1: you're cool <laughs> like Not just for the video. You guys are, are doing a number of many, many interesting things. So
0: Appreciate interesting. it. Appreciate it. Yeah,
2: so, Tucker, thank you for the invite. It was really a pleasure. I hope that the information that we shared and the insights have actually been insightful. Thank everybody for taking the time. And Nika, thank you so much for joining us and for managing the channel. So it's been great to great be with to y'all. Great
4: to see you. Great to see you all.
0: All right, Claudio, your turn. Closing words.
3: Man, man, man of a few to... words. Bye. <laughs> man of a few words. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much
0: very good i appreciate our guests but i especially appreciate all of you guys in the chat thank you for participating make sure to share this um all of the dialogue i appreciate everybody who left comments i appreciate everybody who left questions and i appreciate everybody especially when you leave criticisms and i very much look forward to the next time
1: likewise thank you very much you guys
0: together in 48 hours basically 72 hours yeah so i and thank you guys for that
2: yeah happy if to do it